Hi, I'm Naomi Simpson. I'm really pleased to be bringing you Season 2 of Handpick, the podcast, where business owners ask me the questions. We've got a fabulous variety of great business owners with really tough questions that'll give you incredible insights. And remember, go back and check out Season 1 if you missed any of those episodes. Well, hello and welcome to Handpicked. And this episode, I'm excited to speak to Mo. Now, I met Mo in the last episode of the last series of Shark Tank, and both Steve and I invested in Coupe. But I thought it'd be fun to not just hear where they're up to now, but what's going on in the world of Coupe. So let me introduce one of the co-founders, Mo. Hey, Mo. Hey, Naomi. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's really cool to see you. And maybe if you share a little bit more about the business and how the business model has evolved and, and what you're doing now. Yeah, sure. So um, Cupa is a campus engagement platform where we provide a number of services to students that enables them to make purchases on campus and off campus recently with our student MasterCard that everyone must have seen on the Shark Tank episode. Um, our vision of North Star has always been to have a hand in every transaction for under 25-year-olds. Um, and this naturally occurs when our users are studying at university. And one of our main goals is teaching students to be fiscally responsible um, and in a different way, where students learn on how to spend rather than really on how to save. It's a slight variance, but I think it's really important to acknowledge that spending, while st- spending will still be on the rise, but especially with the likes of buy now pay later services where spending has increased dramatically so it's really teaching these students on spending wisely rather than saving wisely now you've got some questions for me so let's let's roll cool awesome um so if you could go back to day one of red balloon and have five (laughs) and have five minutes with your former self to relay any lessons you've acquired with the intention of saving yourselves mistakes and Plenty of heartaches, I would imagine. What would you tell yourself? Oh, my goodness. We are talking almost last century, and it does feel like a century because this is my 20th year uh, since founding Red Balloon all that time ago. So, look, what would I tell my my younger self? Uh, one is that everything doesn't have to be urgent. And I was always living on the urgent, like everything. Everything was always, I've got to get it done now, I've got to get it done now, I've got to get it done now. I wish I'd learned about the one thing, the one thing that I need to get done that will help everything else become easier. So if I just understood that, that would be really, really helpful. So, you know, the one thing, um, if I had have understood that, so rushing to the important, like I used to rush to the urgent things and maybe not work on the important things, like systems and processes. And if I had my time again, it would be to think bigger. What would it be like when we're serving an experience every second? And whilst you can't build Battlestar Galactica from day one is have their systems architecture to enable that. And that's we didn't do that. And replatforming and transformation has cost us dearly over time. Okay, no, that's great. Okay. So I guess um, would you say that um, you would need to have more of a technical uh, kind of role as well to make those changes? Or just to have the strategy to think about those things? Always the big question between Steve and I on that show. He was like, you need a technical founder. (laughs) I was like, you know, you don't need a technical founder. 
And look, the thing is, you just can't be scared of technology and you've got to know who you can trust. Um, I know a founder Mm -hmm. of a business and she had an online uh, store and it was customized uh, product and she was forever relying on outsourced developers. And that made her vulnerable. And I said, go and do yourself a course. Mm -hmm. Just go and understand their language. I feel fortunate because I started my career with IBM. I worked in a tech company in in, um, Copenhagen. And then I worked Mm -hmm. for Apple. And whilst I wasn't in their tech teams, I understood technology and I still do. So it doesn't scare me. So I think as a founder, you don't have to know everything. You know, if you speak to Scott Farquhar or some of the others, they go, oh, you've got to cut cut a line of code. If you can't cut a line of code, then (laughs) you're not in the tech space. But um, And that's the one job I have never done in my businesses, but I'm not scared to ask the question. The other thing is when I found that I was getting out of my depth when it came to technology, I put a technology advisory board about, around me. Back in the day, Scott Farquhar, great friend, he was on that. Adrian Giles, um, who started Hitwise, great entrepreneur. And I had a few of Mm -hmm. these tech founders who were really happy to say, no, yes, no, without any, um, you know, they weren't a Microsoft house, they weren't a Google house, they had no uh, vested interest in what we chose. And they were a great sounding board. So if you're not an expert in anything, Find somebody who you trust and is not vested or biased and will give you the reality check. Yeah, I think it's a very similar story to me. So my co-founder, Zach, that you would have met as well, completely technical. So I come from a non-tech background. And interestingly enough, my first job was at IBM as well, <laughs> outside of university. I didn't know we had that so I think in common. Kind of, kind of got the same path there. But yeah, I totally agree. Um, I, get, I think being aware of you know the technology that's out there, but maybe not necessarily knowing how every single piece of you know code works but just having an understanding and implementing that with the help you've got another questions to ask um, and I think that's important the power of great leadership is in the in the questions that we ask and our ability to listen to yeah. answers and challenge them okay so being entrepreneurs we both know the tremendous effort it takes to succeed and statistically the odds are always stacked against us I think it's about a 90 percent fail rate and a 10 percent success rate um, so a simple question, would you do it again? Oh, nobody else would employ me, so I'd have to. Uh, you know, I often think, I have always been an agitator for change and doing things differently. And when I did live inside corporate mm-hmm. worlds, I was often upsetting people because I'd say, why are we doing it that way? Why don't we do this? Do you understand? Da, da, da. Um, and I was very challenging for people. So I've always been innately entrepreneurial because I'm curious and a risk taker. Mm-hmm. So I don't know any other job that I could possibly have. Would I have chosen a two-sided marketplace before they were even invented and trailblazed in a whole industry? Maybe there was something easier, mm-hmm. but I really believe in what we're doing and I still believe in what we're doing. We deliver customers to small businesses all around Australia, millions of them, and mm-hmm. that has such an economic impact. So my purpose still drives me. I would have done things slightly differently, but I guess my father started a small business, a consulting business. A lot of people around me I know had businesses, and at some point I would have started one. So every founder is told this, and it's one of the main points um, preached by Paul Graham from Y Combinator in the US. So don't worry about how your product looks. Just get your product out there as long as it works and users can use it. But do you think that that's still true? 
um, in this day and age or is good design now a requirement? Oh, I think that that could be quite limiting if you were in medical technology or in, you know, in air traffic control. Near enough is not good enough. Mm -hmm. So it really does depend. But I do definitely believe in beta versions and testing products and having Mm -hmm. user acceptance, as we call it, or customer uh, interaction and customer um, product development. I think it's really, really important. So, but design is everything. Design is the creativity. It's not just about the function that it performs, but it's how it becomes an extension of who we are. And whether that be on the customer experience, the journey or a physical product, um, beauty and creativity and design are materially important. Forever, um, Apple changed that in the way that they approached and designed products. And I happened to work at Apple when Steve Jobs didn't and they were shipping grey boxes and it showed in the numbers. And then when he came back and invented those colour iMacs that were bright color and at the time absolutely revolutionary they look very odd now but they were they were so fun it just transformed computing and it was such a great case study in design and you know the technology might not have been that different but it looked different it felt different and looked different in people's homes so um, understanding and appreciating beauty is is I think very very important so when you started at Red Balloon. Obviously, there was a lot of features that you had to A-B test, you know, what customers are responding to. Were you the kind of founder that said, I really want this to look absolutely amazing before we test it out? Or were you kind of, let's test it out and if the users respond to it, we can quickly package it up into a nice design? Well, we're talking 20 years ago when, you know, the, the version of Cold Fusion and HTML that we're on is like, 500 years ago and the best you could do was button push here you know I think we had eight colors that we could use so it was really back in the day Um, and so it wasn't until much later that we were able to a b test you also need to have enough traffic quite frankly enough customers coming to your website to have any material difference so uh, it wasn't until much later so the only thing we could do was design and then try and implement and have people look at those designs but it wasn't I'd say it was eight years into the journey before we were at the degree where we were um, able to swap colours out, move pixels around and be able to see the impact that it was having on conversion rates and customer journeys. Um, so we we really didn't have the tools, but I think it's really short-sighted of any founder not to really understand the heat maps of how people are looking at their website, where they're going and what they're doing. And, of course, now with many retail um, sites, it's out-of-the-box solutions. We just never had that. You know, your Shopify's, your WooCommerce, all of these things are about customising. But, um, yeah, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head as well. I think now, um, even though there are out-of-the-box solutions, well, we've got to worry about, you know, mobile dev as well. So, you know, being available on Android, Apple, um, Samsung. So I think... Even though we've got a lot more devices that we need to, you know, I guess, uh, be on in terms of platform extension, um, I think the the more easy thing is from a non-technical capacity, you can get out-of-the-box solutions like WordPress to really launch your business. 
And and everything is now mobile first. You know, 70, maybe 80% of our audience is all mobile. And then they go and look at the desktop version afterwards. But they've done their research on their phone and then uh, they they might take it to the next level. So, no, everything has to be mobile first. Uh, and it doesn't matter what business you're, you're in because how you're seen on a mobile represents your brand. So you might be beautiful on a desktop um, or even a tablet, but if it's crunched up and you can't read it, anything um it's it's really damages your brand and and customers expect you to be state-of-the-art doesn't matter what business that you're in so at cupe we are now well past the product market fit stage and are really now in the growth stage of our business where we've reached our initial milestone of hitting one million dollars and we're on track to hit two million this year so what key piece of advice would you give me um, or any other co-founder, I guess, founder in this position who are in a similar position to get to the next 50 million or 100 million. And, and you know, it's quite a different from that startup to that scale-up stage in terms of the business and the infrastructure that you need. So it's a bit to the point where I said, if only I'd known that we were our goal was to serve and experience every second, what would I have done differently? And it's to begin to think with what we call a growth mindset. And um, in fact, there's a fabulous book called The Growth Mindset. And that means that you're um, looking to the future and then working backwards on the steps that you need to do now. So that growth mindset will actually help you work out what your priorities are. Growth begets growth. And also in your business, the way you acquire customers through universities and associations and so forth, the most successful they are, the more successful you will be. Universities will get universities because, of course, there's the fundraising aspect for those clubs and associations. So they get a financial benefit, uh, which, as we know, helps. So it's how do you get others to tell your story so that you can escalate it and making it absolutely seamless how people can onboard so they don't necessarily need to speak to a real human and you can scale uh, without without it. Um, So I think that that's really important. And also as you move into... um, more global spaces, um, UK and into um, other countries is the currency piece and, and looking at who you can partner with. Uh, Airwallocks we know is one that um, does currencies very, very well So and an Australian invention. So who else can you partner with to take your product into different audiences? So Yeah, no, definitely. And I guess just on that as well, so when you were in your, I guess, scaling stage of Red Balloon, did you find yourself that it was hard for you going you know, as a founder or co-founder, you like to kind of do everything because you have to. So, you know, marketing, growth, user acquisition, finances, investor reporting. So did you feel that as you were growing, you kind of had to become more specialized? And did you find that hard to do? Yes, I found it really hard because I'm a generalist. I'm really yep. great at a lot of things, yep. uh, but not the best, not the expert, not the world's yep. best. So it was hard and um, being able to get out of my own way. Mm-hmm. But what I did was work out I'm really good at uniting people to the cause, the purpose, the leadership piece, mm-hmm. and actually I'm not good at the detail. Right. So. Um, so I knew that and, uh, in fact, it did my head in. So having specialists, but it was hard. Like it's a hard 
a journey not knowing every single thing that's going on in your business is quite hard but you have to give it up otherwise you'll never scale a business Uh, there's also not one way of doing something and if anything Shark Tank teaches us five different approaches to the same business problem presented to us and there is not one way so therefore if you're going to bring somebody into your business Mm -hmm. then making sure that they are empowered to deliver upon that even if it's different than the way you would do it Mm -hmm. because if you keep telling them how to do it they'll only do what you tell them to and they won't evolve or innovate in ways that you hadn't seen before yeah that that makes sense yep that's all the questions i have oh how fabulous look really great to see you congratulations on the new crowdfunding that was so wonderful to see and i was happy to help with that so it was really great and i can see that you'll just keep going from strength to strength it's been wonderful to speak to you today about how you're growing your enterprise the role of a founder Do you need a tech founder and technology? And also thinking about the user experience and how we're building out our platforms. Uh, Design is materially important, in my opinion. I think creativity and design is a real differentiator for business. And it's not just about shipping. I do believe you have to get that beta test, get your customers involved, but it doesn't have to be that it's got to be a thousand percent perfect before you ship. So thanks for coming on the show and thanks to all the handpicked listeners. And if you like this show, please rate it, review it and refer it to a friend because this is how we share these good news stories and these fabulous insights from great Australian businesses that we can be so proud of. Thanks, Naomi.